Hello and welcome to The Stinger, a super fan's guide to the latest in Marvel, Star Wars, and other nerd entertainment. Joining me on the podcast today, you know, one of your favorite co-hosts of all time, Trent Neely, but we have two special guests joining us today who have both been on the podcast before, making their triumphant return. It's John Baddison, Mr. JB3, and Moscano Mengiste. How are we doing, everybody? We're doing Beautiful. great. Couple of fun guys talking about fun guy, huh? Oh, <laughs> oh man. It's such a... John, why? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? It was the clickers. Oh, man. God, that was disturbing. John is no longer here. Only the ten, <laughs> only the tendrils remain. I know you had that. You, I know you had that on your phone, like prepped, prepped like, and ready to go for a very long time. At least ten minutes ago. <laughs> wow. Well, now that we've all introduced ourselves once again, um, guys, thanks for being here. I'm very excited to dive into the world of The Last of Us with all of you. Um, thanks, everybody, for, for joining us for today's podcast. If you haven't figured out by the clicker noises already, we are talking about the first three episodes of The Last of Us today, the HBO original series that uh, I got to be honest, like I wasn't ready for uh the cultural phenomenon this show has become but it's here it's in the pop culture ethos and we are it fits nice and perfectly into our our uh genre f- of fandom because it is based off a of video game so we're very excited to talk about it today um as always don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast leave us a rate and review and uh, a, a new addition to the uh, the housekeeping agenda items at the beginning. Join our Facebook group. If you haven't heard already, we have a Facebook group now. It's called the Stinger Community. If you're already a member and you want to invite some people to come join the discussion with you, then invite a c- couple of friends who you think would really love uh, the content in the Facebook group. So go join, invite somebody to join, and then follow us on social media at the Stinger Pod. Um, that's it for those housekeeping agenda items. Let's let's get into the good stuff. Guys, we're here to talk The Last of Us. Uh, I think all of us come in at different entry points into, into this world. Uh, but I'm very excited to talk about it with you all today. And first off, just like general, before we get into like discussion, what do we think? Like, are, are we enjoying it? Thumbs up or thumbs down so far? This, like, this, uh, it's too early to be like, this is all-time TV, but, like, I'm close to saying already, this is all-time TV. If they stay on this trajectory, like, this is just perfect world-building, perfect character work, a masterclass intention, uh, like, show-don't-tell on full display here. Um, just really amazing work from Craig Mazin and company um, week in, week out so far. Loving it. I I second that. I think the tension point, especially, I think uh, episode two is really where that gets shown off the first time. Um, I think the sequence inside uh, the Revolutionary War Museum is when this turns into an actual like horror show. Uh, But that just goes to show like how compelling it is as a piece of emotional, um, just a a piece of emotional uh, 
character building and character study and add on to that just like how well filmed it is how well written it is creator craig mazin is a genius and uh after making chernobyl making this it's it's amazing i'm only a couple episodes in but i can't wait to watch more now i love the show so far but i don't know if i have as strong of a feeling towards it as 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 you guys so far i think so the first episode particularly has been my like absolute favorite Mm -hmm. um especially you mentioned world building i think it it is such a great job of building off you know the game and and answering so many kind of questions you know i had about the game like how did it start and i'm sure we'll get into that later but like i think that for me has been the best and then since then you know all amazing episodes but you know all-time top-tier most Riz episode. I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to wait it out before I make any more, you know. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. Also, I would uh, I would like for us to use a scale of Riz now and how we rate certain episodes of TV. I just want to thank you for that, Muscana. Um yeah, I will say I'm loving it, and I feel like uh, how blessed are we on this podcast? We come off the heels of Andor straight into The Last of Us. Like the we we have been blessed with wonderful television, so it's been great. It's been great. I think uh, I, I think I'm less familiar with the world of the last of us than everyone else on this podcast so it's really caught me by surprise more than anything it's hard for me to even like give a a take other than just like i'm i'm along for the ride and i've been surprised i've been shocked i've i've been scared and it's all been it's all been a really good ride so far so um as a segue off of that what's everybody's familiarity with the game, the the video game that this is based off of, The Last of Us, uh, because I did not play it. But what about you guys? Yeah. So when this when this game was first sweeping uh, the world, I, I did not was not a member of the uh, PlayStation squad. I was still rocking that Xbox Life back in the day. <laughs> yes, sir. And so I was like, oh, but I keep hearing amazing things. So I did what everybody does when you don't want to pay for a new console. Just watch the walkthroughs on YouTube. Um, and so I literally just watched <laughs> the entire game and I was like, oh, this is one of the best narrative things I've like ever seen, question mark, like movie, TV included. It's just so well plotted and paced out and everything is so scary and creepy and the clickers are just amazing um so yeah just watching literally through the game was sort of my entry point into the world and just sort of hearing um everybody rave about this game when it came out in 2014 i believe yeah no i i'm kind of similar to that except i came to it way later um i was semi-familiar. Actually, Moscano, I had seen the box for the game on a shelf at your house in college, um, <laughs> just sitting there. That was my first introduction. I had never heard of The Last of Us before that, just because I'm not much of a gamer. Uh, and then right around the time that the second game was being released was right about when COVID hit, if I remember correctly. And, you know, what else are you going to do when you're depressed about a world- worldwide pandemic than just binge the walkthrough of the game about a worldwide pandemic? pandemic and make yourself feel so much better and so that's what i did um and (laughs) like watched the walkthrough uh just in the middle of COVID boredom and i had a very similar reaction to trent um i thought especially the establishment of atmosphere and tone um 
very few storytelling media balance as well as the last of us game did. Um, it managed to balance as serious and like seemingly bleak. It often is. It also injected so many notes of hope and levity and just strange beauty that I think the best stories learn how to balance with each other. Um, but is exceedingly rare. And I thought that was so awesome. And I think the show is reflecting that a lot as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I played this game when it first came out. I think it was actually, I just did a quick Google search. It was 2013 when it first came out. Um, and, at you know, when it came out, I had played some other games um, that had really amazing narratives like God of War, Uncharted. And, and this was, you know, those were amazing. And I think this one was I didn't think you could get any better than God of War or Uncharted, but The Last of Us, you know, did just that. It built such an awesome world and helped you kind of really connect with the characters in a way that I hadn't been able to do in maybe some of these other games. Um, And and don't get me wrong, those are legendary, incredible games, but this did a little bit more. I have this like vivid image of me playing. So if this was in 2013, what, we graduated high school 2015? Yeah. So I was a junior? Mm Mm-hmm. Sophomore, junior, yeah. So I have this vivid image of just sitting downstairs and, you know, I didn't have a TV in my room. So I was like in our family living room, right? And like, I'm just playing the game. And of course, there's like some screaming and bloody stuff. And I just, my mom just runs downstairs freaking out, right? Like, and it's like 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) She's like, what's going on? And she's like, just freaking out. And I think the game just like helped me I don't know. It was just the best. Like it's just one of those core experiences, and um, yeah. But it's been a while since I played it. I haven't watched a walkthrough, and so you know, or anything like that. Um, and I recently played the newest one, the second, the second game. Um, so a little more caught up on that one, or at least remember more of that one than the first one. But um, the game was incredible. So that was my introduction into The Last of Us. Yeah. It. Is the second one is that uh is that was that made for a new generation or was that still the PS4? Uh, I think it was both. So PS4. Oh, and okay. Because gotcha. I think um, it was it was the game that came out like it was the it was like the last game made for PS4. But by the time it was exactly. released, it, like PS5 was coming out, so it was like the exactly. it was the bridge. Oh, yeah, that's the one came out in 2020. Interesting. So. I was curious about that. How recent that was? Because there's, I mean, I. I believe I saw earlier this week that they've already greenlit season two of mm-hmm. the last of us, which should be based on part two. And uh, that's a little bit fresher in the minds of people who played the games. I, I did not play the game. And uh, I, so I have a bit of a different perspective than y'all. I don't have anything to compare this to. So I, I got to ask how faithful of an adaptation is this TV show? So the first two episodes are like ninety, like ninety to ninety-five percent, basically what happens in that first stretch of the game. The third episode um, actually takes kind of a, like not a hard left, but like expands upon a, a secondary character in a much different way than they are in the game. Um, but besides that, the the first two episodes are like ninety percent of what the the first like what I would say is like first two hours of gameplay in the game is. And from that description of the third episode, which I haven't yet seen, it sounds like it's kind of a more of a macrocosm of like what the first two episodes have done so well, which is like staying faithful, like really making you feel like you're in a cinematic version of the game, but like 
expanding in ways that are interesting, that surprise people who know the games, um, but don't feel forced. Like you can, you know, if you're adapting something, you can feel like you're changing something just to gloss over something that was hard to adapt from the original medium or just you want to change for change's sake. But these actually feel like them making the the world feel more like lived in and like, like with life breathed into it. Mm. And it's really cool. Yeah, I think that having I did watch the third episode and I having known that it's very interesting because I feel like most of the times when we talk about on screen adaptations, uh, it's about the things that you don't get to fit in from the source material, right? Like it's about all the things you have to cut, especially with novels. Um, and I think it's interesting that uh, to hear from y'all that like they actually added stuff. That's not something you hear very often uh with these adaptations and um just that's what's been as someone who hasn't seen the game uh gameplay or played it himself like it's been pretty incredible the level of detail that's been packed into this show um from from the very opening of the show in episode one which i i just find like i i really really appreciate that when some something's able to commit to a level of detail that maybe was found in the source material so Moscano, how about for you as someone who played the game like I, I, does this give you that same feeling you had when when you were playing the game back in 2013 oh yeah so one of the like levels right like in the show and in the game where you're in the building going through the water the swampy water like, yeah. I remember that in the game so clear. Um, I even played the remastered version and it looked even better than that, right? Uh, but I think they did such a good job of taking at least that level or that piece of the game and then replicating it um, here yeah. you know, for the show. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, and I agree with Trent, though. Like, on the third episode, they definitely deviated from the game a little bit there. Um, but, you know, I, I think so far it's been great. So Yeah. It's cu- it's, I'm curious because... So there have not been many, if any, like good adaptations of video games to on screen, whether it's a movie or a TV show. Like, I'm just thinking like other than Sonic the Hedgehog, which isn't really like <laughs> based off of any narrative. Um, you've got like a bunch of stuff that no one liked, like the Halo series last year, Mortal Kombat stuff. Like th- there's there's just like an endless list of things that. Uh, shows and movies that people didn't like based off of video games and this is this stands completely in the in the opposite direction and i found watching the game where i i don't know if y'all feel this way but i see shots that look like they were taken from a video game that that uh opening episode the first episode in the in the flashback sequence when he's driving the truck through the swarms of people that just looked like you were you were watching a, a quick cinematic interruption of gameplay. So I, I'm curious, what makes this like a work? Like because other video game adaptations haven't been. What makes this different? Like as a worthwhile adaptation? Yeah, I think I think it's sort of what you said, where it's like Sonic is a great movie, but like the games, it's about like collecting rings and doing stuff. And so much about video games is like no duh. It's about like the player doing things, right? It's not about yeah. living in a world and experiencing things that can happen like i know people really like the first couple like resident evil movies and silent hill and stuff like that mm-hmm. so it happens but it's so rare whereas this is, is like so ingrained in character in fact i was even seeing for people who hadn't played the game yet 
watching the last of us show we're playing the game and they're like oh i actually don't like this game because it feels <laughs> like you're just doing little mini like fights and then you're interrupted by cutscenes all the time and it was almost mm-hmm. like too narrative driven for some people oh, um, wow. to like it as a video game um which i found fascinating and i don't i think that's a valid reaction but i do find it fascinating for sure that's mm-hmm. interesting yeah i think it was funny you were listing a bunch of games right that were movie adaptations but i think often overlooked is and i mentioned it earlier is the uncharted game series right they had a movie with uh tom holland and mark Wahlberg. you talking yeah. about that one i thought it was fire i loved it <laughs> anyway, maybe my once maybe the, once the pirate it. ships like took off i had fun <laughs> like, all right all right all right i didn't I know <laughs> i thought it was great it captured the character so well personally Okay, in fairness, I haven't seen Uncharted. I just, I don't hear, like, glowing reviews about Uncharted very often. This feels like another possible episode we might get to have of uh, a quick Uncharted review. Would you be on for that, Muscano? I would. I thought it was great. Okay, awesome. A lot of unnecessary hate. Oh, all right. Anyways, yeah. Say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I... uh, I think I think overall, I think we would all say we're really enjoying the show so far. So let's get into the episode by episode kind of breakdown. And we'll start with episode one, um, which is titled When You're Lost in Darkness and directed by Craig. Is it Mason? And then written by Craig Mason and Neil Druckmann. Uh, Guys, how did you feel about the opening scene to this episode? I want to start with that because, one, I got to ask, was this a part of the video game? And then, two, just tell me, like, what that scene did for you to kind of kick things off for this uh, TV show. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, in the words of uh, Mindy Kaling in The Office, first off, how dare you show? Because this this <laughs> opening scene, like... You know, we're, we're just coming out of, like, all the COVID stuff or, and, or, like, you know, still dealing with, like, the after effects of that. And then this show just, like, rockets us right into another paranoia about, like, fungi and pandemics. This is an anxiety I did not need in my life. But now, anytime I see mushrooms, I'm freaking out. Netflix is recommending fungi documentaries to me. And I'm like, <laughs> get out of here. Um, no, just a great way to set up, like, how seemingly hopeless this situation is. Because, like when you hear on paper with the video game the first time you're like what like fungi mushroom head people this is so weird and then this speech by this guy like perfectly illustrates how terrifying it would be and i thought it was such a perfect way to set up the tension without showing you any actual like violence or destruction yet and in the show's official companion podcast craig mason described how like you know part of adapting this game is taking unexpected routes into the story, like picking unexpected events or unexpected characters to give you a unique perspective into a story that you might already know. And he was like, what's out of left field, but not so out of left field that it feels like a non sequitur. And it's like this show from almost 40 years before the events of uh, the main part of the show. And I thought that was just such a brilliant avenue. Um, And it also, I mean, to your point, Trent, it plays up our own anxieties because like the Scottish uh, uh, philologist, I don't know what the official term for that is, uh, but fungi doctor person uh, talks about, well, what if the world got a little warmer? 
like that line i'm sure like froze everybody in oh it froze me i i I was ready to start uh doom doing my doomsday prepping yeah no that was that was pretty rough but i mean at the same time it was such a powerful way to grab our attention and like place us firmly within the realm of belief even if we are watching a fantasy show i thought it was genius Real quick, John, what, what was the uh, <laughs> the fun guy name? <laughs> I think I said philologist, and I'm sure it's not right. I, I hope that's right. I honestly want you to be right. <laughs> I looked it up. I, what, what Google says is my God. <laughs> that's the one. That's correct. Scrub my thing from your brain. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I tried. I tried so hard not to bust out. I'm like, in no way this man's made up. <laughs> We're all about accountability on this podcast. I loved it though. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey, I so philology, the branch of knowledge that deals with the structure, historical development, and relationships of a language or languages. Okay, so you didn't oh. just like obviously something I'm not proficient in. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's a thing so sit down son I'm like, <laughs> i love it oh. yeah I, sorry i need to call my philologist real quick and uh, <laughs> i got something to, i got something for you to check out doctor oh man oh man what did this scene do for you the intro scene right yeah 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 i mean i i think you kind of talked about world building earlier and i think it that like that's what it did like it did such a good job of like because in the game i always wonder like well, how did this kind of start like what's like you know who found out like what were people's reactions how do people feel like you know when they heard about this or when they realized this was you know a thing and um especially it felt real like i felt like i was watching like a talk show host it felt really like authentic yeah. and genuine and um I thought it was great. I mean, it was like, like I said, the, the first episode was hands down and so far is my favorite episode so far. Um, but yeah, it, it, phenomenal. Yeah. I, I did want to point out the guy who plays the talk show host. He seems very eclectic and erudite and smart. He's played by, did any of you watch Silicon Valley? Mm-mm. Yes. Oh, you did. Yes. He's the same guy who plays the character big head, who is like literally the the dumbest most fail upward person <laughs> in Palo Alto and to see him in this role is really funny i just wanted to point that out that's awesome that's awesome uh, yeah for me i would say similar feelings to uh to what you all just described i mean my anxiety my anxiety rose quite a bit when i started like hearing this guy out and being like are we about to be on? Are we about? Is this about to happen in real life? Are we on a fun guy breakout watch? Uh, but I was. I listened to that podcast that John you were talking about. Um, that that the writers create for each episode of the show, and I was listening to it today, just like the first twenty minutes of it or so, and they talked about how they wanted that that opening scene to kind of create attention um, as you then transition into the flashback in 2003 right before the breakout happens and you know i i was uh i was you know trying to consume some some the last of us content when after that 
episode came out because I just want to know what people thought. And I, I found a post by IGN that was basically like it pointed out all of the potential things that Joel and his daughter could have eaten that day in the flashback episode that would have get, given them the fungi outbreak. Like the fact that they didn't ever find a pancake mix, the fact that Joel never got his birthday cake is just like, oh, it was so genius when you look back on it. And and I will say that it's just like that opening scene did exactly what they wanted. It created such a tension that I'm not sure we would have felt uh, in the flat in the opening scenes of the flashback had that scene, that cold open scene not existed. Um, so as we as we move to the flashback scene uh, and we get to learn about Joel and his brother and his daughter, uh, tell me. Tell me what, what when were you like were you guys anticipating the breakout to happen at any moment? Uh were you like trying to soak in the uh the relationships? How how did you consume that scene? So for me, cuz the the opening of the game starts you you start as Sarah and it's like the that the outbreak sort of going on at night. Whereas the show opens like that the, the like the morning before that night. And so I was like, "Oh, like we got a solid like 16 or 20 hours to go here before um like things really start to hit the fan um and so i loved with this episode that there's just like little things going on throughout the day that mess with people like the plane going overhead the shot of like the grandma seizing behind sarah like in the living room um and there's just such great things and i remember watching one review about it where the, the guy was like, it's so great that it's said in 2003, right? Because there's no social media yet. Because otherwise people would be like tweeting like, oh, what's going on with the flower market in Indonesia or whatever. And it's just no, the tension has to escalate naturally. So I thought that was such a great slow build for sure. I think it would have been really funny if Sarah opens up MySpace and people are just popping off. Because that's where everybody was. In oh, you're right. Oh, that have been that have been wild. Everybody's um, like, queue up the MCR, like the world's ending. Like, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> but that's like that part of the episode made it just that much more heartbreaking watching Joel, Joel's perspective. Because in the game, you're not with Sarah for as long as you are in the show. I mean, you can be with her as long as you want in the game. Because I think technically she is the playable character for like the first you know 15 or so minutes of the game when she's looking for Joel, doesn't know where he is. Um, but, I mean, you get a full day with her. You see her at school. You see her going into town to get him a birthday present. You see her hanging out with the neighbors. You see that she's got a heart for other people. Um, like, that's pretty much, like, her defining characteristic. Um, and then, I mean, for those of us who know the game, I mean, we knew what was coming, but at the same time, it still makes it more painful but the unveiling of the virus is so horrifying because I mean, like it could be just a hard left turn at any moment, but the slowness with which it is unveiled and like how often it is kind of specific evidence of it is so often kept away from the camera until that moment where you see mouth tendrils coming out of the next door neighbor's mouth, which is awful, just truly horrendous. But like everything leading up to that is just ambiance and it, it takes its time so methodically and so well. Whereas if you watch a show, a movie like World War Z, like all of a sudden someone runs into a zombie in their car and it's the apocalypse. Like, or even The Walking Dead is a pretty hard turn. Um, but this very much took its time and I appreciated that. It just made it feel much weightier. 
Mm. Yeah, John, I, I, and I think I'm, you know, going to do nothing but echo, you know, all of that because it was truly like, that is what made episode one, like my favorite, mm. like that relationship between Sarah and Joel. Um, they didn't, you know, they could have rushed it, but instead of doing that, you know, they just built upon that. Uh, my favorite pieces of them, you know, coming back together at the, you know, in the evening and, you know, sitting down to watch what, what movie were they watching? It was, uh, it's just some random, like, it sounds like some random B horror movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. that was made for the games. Uh, yes. Cause I remember that brand yep. showing up in the games and it shows up even more, I think in the last of us part two. Mm. Um, oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah. So fans really. of the game can kind of have a little Easter egg there. Yeah. But yeah, that was just like the best, just her falling asleep there. And, um, it just showed kind of what their relationship looked like. And, you know, it was a big piece I think that was missing in the game. And so this is, this is just so good. Moscano, I'll ask you this first. Cause I, cause you played the game and, um, obviously like, I don't know much about the game. I'm coming into this show pretty, uh, with a lot of mystery. Cause I, I, I don't know much. All I know though, is that, a great story and there's a lot of emotional weight so how did the scene of joel losing sarah and and that officer like how did how did that land with you as someone who's played through the game because i imagine that had to be a pretty weighty moment in uh in the game as well yeah and and trent and john you know correct me if i'm wrong here because it's it's been a while since i played it but I think they did a great job of replicating almost exactly how it happened mm. um, and did a great job at just playing it out. But because they, they built Sarah and Joel so much better, I think in the you know, show that killed me. <laughs> that was like such a gut punch. I, I think more than the game. And, and I think the games was like phenomenal and did, you know, that, but I think this, what this hit, hit it home even harder. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it made it diff more difficult because like her death happens almost like shot for shot the way that it happens in the game, like mm -hmm. the framing of uh, the government officer who, you know, spoiler alert, ends up shooting her dead, like is almost exactly the same as it is in the game. And that's like the moment that you're heartbroken as someone who's experienced the game because because the buildup with her and Joel is so different. I guess it gives you a small vestige of hope of like, well, what if it goes differently this time? Mm. Like kind of, kind of like the best movies or the best books. No matter how many times you read them or watch them, you're just like, but what if this tragic thing doesn't happen this time? Yeah. Because it, it hurts you every time. But that just, yeah, it it, it nails nails the emotion home. Really. Yeah, I remember watching an interview after the episode aired where the the performer who plays Sarah was like, Craig Mazin came up to both Pedro and I, and he said to both of us, like, this is the most painful thing you've ever experienced. So even Ugh. though they're playing the scene for different reasons, like the, it was the same direction. And she's like, for me, it was obviously a more physical thing. But for Pedro, it was more of like a emotional, psychological thing. And I thought that was such like a devastating, simple piece of directing advice. Like, uh, so good. It is, man. And it tore it tore me up, too, because you, you really like. They just laid the foundation so well in, um, I believe I, I can't I don't know if it's joel or his brother tommy is joel a veteran are we to, are we led to believe that joel served in the military or is that his brother tommy because i see the is sticker for sure and then i don't i don't know oh, if they okay. ever definitively say for joel okay 
I then I might have misread that wrong. I was curious if if he had that background or not. But I will say that like I I noticed just how heavy Joel looked on screen every time in that flashback. Like there there wasn't a lot of joy on his uh, on his face unless he was talking with Sarah. That is like the only time you saw Pedro Pascal kind of crack a smile or just look like there wasn't a weight on his shoulders. Um, and so it's like, that's all I needed to know to, to inform me of how great that loss was for him. And then I'm going to jump forward. We jump forward 20 years into the year 2023, our current year. Uh, and we see that (laughs) actually question in the game. Is it 2023 or is it, uh, is it 2013? Because that's when the game came out. If y'all don't know, that's okay. Um, as y'all, as y'all look that up, we jump to we jump to the year 2023, and Joel, he's not the first person we see, but he is like a completely different person. I mean, there is like not an ounce of emotion on his face. See, they, we we see we find him like disposing of a child's dead body into a fire that has been infected and that that fedra killed and it looks it doesn't it looks like it doesn't cost him anything he does after that moment say like i don't think i could do this anymore but like it is it is like there is no love or soul left in him so i how how did you guys you know there's a lot more going on in when we jump into the present day in boston between Joel and between Fedra and between the Fireflies. So like, how do y'all feel they set up the, the current state of affairs? Yeah. I loved, again, we sort of talked about this with the 2003 stuff, but I loved how like gradual this is. Cause in the game, like you end up going into conflict with Robert, I think is his name, like immediately in the game. And like, that's how the game teaches you all about. It's like weapons and combat mechanics. So mm. I like the the show can like much more gradually just, show you Joel's routine and show you him disposing of this kid's body and how like just empty, like you were saying, Josh and like shell shocked, like the stuff with Sarah has left him. Um, and, and just setting up the, the dynamic of like him and Tess and their like business partnership also like romantic in some way. Um, I know I just thought it was a really good way of like doing a time jump that, that made sense for the character, but you don't feel like you're doing like a hard reboot of the show. And it speaks to the power of like how much, how well they set up the bleakness of the 2023 environment, because like, you know, that there's bad stuff going on, but like often they will really only show you the moments leading up to, or immediately following the awful stuff that either Fedra or the fireflies or whoever is imposing on the rest of society. Because I mean, you think about like the execution that's taking place in the public square, you see, three people or four people about to get hanged and it doesn't show it happening because just the implication that this is what a society has come to is painful enough. It doesn't need to, if it were to show you the whole ordeal, it'd be ham fisted or later on when again, spoiler alert, they happen upon the scene in which Robert and his gang die in a shootout. That's after the fact, but it also like is such a picture of like how desperate things have become and the fact that they are totally surprised by it. Like they're just like, oh, here's a bunch of dead bodies. Well, another it's it's Wednesday, I guess. And it's just it's a different world and it's set up perfectly. By the way, a quick tangent. Um 
I'm sure you guys found this too, but uh, the game, the first part that was in 2003 in the show actually took place in 2013 in the game. Like the year that the game itself came out. And then the flash forward is also 20 years. So the bulk of the game takes place in 2033. Oh, interesting. Um, So the timelines differ pretty interestingly. Yeah. Little side tangent. Yeah. Go ahead, Moscano. No, I was just going to say, I think, you know, briefly just mentioning the fireflies, I think it, you know, what the show did so good is I think, you know, showing what sort of insurgency the, you know, fireflies look like and, you know, really kind of almost picturing them as a terrorist organization, basically. Um, uh, and so, you know, I think the show did such a good job at, at capturing that feel and, and that element. Right. And really showing how dire things have gotten, because yeah. like, I don't think the show does anything to paint them as moral or just necessarily, but it's also like, look, 20 years under, a, you know, a fascistic regime in the middle of a deadly pandemic wouldn't it's basically asking the viewer like isn't this what you would turn into mm-hmm. like and i yeah. think it, it's when you first run into the fireflies where it feels more like a you know a terrorist organization but as you run a little bit more of course yeah yeah it feels, oh yeah you know we have a cause and a purpose that is yeah it, well what caught me off guard was 20 years after the outbreak happens like to think that it's been 20 years and nothing really has dramatically changed. Like that was what was so fascinating to me is like the government collapsed uh, in a way that it became something else. It becomes Fedra and it becomes this like oppressive, like they're hanging people in the streets. That's nuts. Like I, I, I was like, I honestly think that scene alone communicated to me everything i needed to know about fedra that's all i like society has been degraded to such a level that we are hanging people in the streets as a government that is uh that is a really dark dark time that uh that these people are living in and so and i thought that was that so that was very very effective i'm gonna because you know just for time's sake i'm gonna jump to the end of this episode and the the gang is all together. They all unite. Joel, Tess, and and Ellie, uh, they make their break for uh, what they are hoping to find is is a camp that's going to to help to help out uh, the cause and 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 get what they need from Ellie. But then that is uh, as we learn later, that's not what happens. But um, that takes us into episode two. How how did you guys? feel episode one wrapped up just really quick yeah i thought episode one's great especially you know we were talking about like joel is so sort of emotionless and then there's that gray moment when the the fedra guard's gonna kill ellie and he has the flashback to sarah's death and that's like the any snaps and it's like the only time we see him really emote for that entire duration of the episode and i thought that's such a great way to set up where his character is mentally but but also it creates instantly a believable reason of why he and Ellie are going to forge such a strong bond throughout the rest of the season of the show. I'm going to go ahead and take us to episode two. So episode two called uh, is titled infected. And this one, uh, this one was interesting because it also opens up with a scene before the outbreak happens. And I believe it takes place in Jakarta. Um, 
and that's interesting because like again the show's taking us out of the context that we are used to and it's giving us just just characters for a single scene how 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 effective was the scene of the um my mycology professor uh, i just want to point out that trent did have that term in the rundown <laughs> How effective was the scene of the mycology professor kind of discovering what exactly was about to happen in, in a worldwide pandemic? Yeah, that was that was super interesting because, again, I was like, oh, they're going for the flashback thing again. That's interesting. I wonder why. And then I was like, are they going to say that, like, Indonesia, like, something happened that they didn't plan to happen? Or are they going to say that they tried to keep it under wraps? But then it takes this hard turn into something I didn't expect where, like a scientist examines what's going on and she's instantly like the only way to solve this is to burn everything to the ground. Like, like literally that is the only chance, like not just us, like nobody in the city is going to survive this already. We're already dead. But the only way humanity as a species is going to survive this is if we like nuke everything. And I was like, okay, that's, that's bleak. Like, yeah. um, but again, it just, it set up just how uh, despair heavy, like the situation is. And I think it, it, makes the threat of again you know you on on the surface you're like really like fungus like this is going to be the thing and the show's like this is going to be the thing and you will be terrified like yeah it's 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 pretty bleak in that way um and then i i can't remember if it was mazen or someone else who commented on it but like later they're traversing through boston trying to get to the fireflies that are supposed to pick up ellie um and they happen upon a crater where the city of Boston was bombed because they basically implemented that tactic in big cities around the world. And Tess says to her in, I think a pretty natural expository scene, she says like, yeah, this worked in our city, but most of the place it doesn't. And I think it was either Mason or some other critic who pointed out, like, it's pretty terrifying that what we've seen of Boston and the Boston QZ is what's considered quote unquote working. Like yeah. this is what worked. Like this is what working looks like. Like what does it look like everywhere where this wasn't effective? Like it, what's left to the imagination there is terrifying. It is terrifying, and and that that also I want to I want to get to the uh, and jump to kind of the the scenes of of Tess, Joel, and Ellie exploring Boston, and you see like. I I will never get the image of the mass of bodies tied to the ground from tendrils and and the way it's explained where Joel's like if you step on a tendril it could communicate to those creatures from all the way over here um that was that was absolutely like bone chilling for me I how how did uh how did y'all just come to experience all all of that world building there. Bill, sorry you this time, Moscano. Yeah, well, I, I can't remember if this was actually in the game or not, and I don't I don't know if it was that explanation. So okay, so John, yeah, you, so you guys are shaking your head. No, it wasn't. Um, so it, it, when I heard that, and when I saw that, I was like, wow, like this that is such a great addition. It just makes these things so much more terrifying, like so much more like freaky and scary and real and. Um, I thought, I mean, that's, it's great that you mentioned that. Cause I remember seeing that. I was like, wow, that's like, that's so good. You yeah. know, in this whole world building, um, process. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember because like Mama Neely watched the first two episodes with me, and like she saw like all of them writhing on the ground, and I knew like the clickers were coming later, and she's like, "Oh, mm. that's horrifying," and I'm like, "Oh, it gets worse," and she's like, "Worse," <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I mean that's terrifying because the tendril thing is a is a new." world building and i'm like but it but it gets worse give it like i bet 15 minutes and you'll see um and sure <laughs> enough it did um and then at the end of this episode mama neely was like this show is not for me and, I, and i'm like i don't blame you what even even with the romantic ending that test oh, that that's what sealed uh. the fate she's like right, i'm done she's like nope 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 <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's get to uh not that specific scene but what uh what follow or uh its predecessor i guess um when they get into the museum john you talked about this earlier just like that's when this show becomes a horror show and maybe like a light horror show but this was this was one of the more thrilling sequences i i've seen in a while like in a in a fandom uh related content how like what what made this work for you john um, I think it's an underrated thing that's talked about in any visual medium, but especially in television is the sound design. Um, mm. And I mean, everything about it, I think was perfectly executed. It was extremely well-directed. Um, the first episode was very well-directed, but I mean, you can see just the creative vision that Neil Druckmann brought to the second episode because he was the one who directed it and just how his eye and ear for atmosphere carries from the game into the show and just, and obviously sound drove it so much because the clickers, much like the monsters in like the, um, the quiet place movies are sound sensitive. They can't see, um, but they have a heightened sense of hearing. And so you are so attuned and sensitive to every noise that is being made in that scene. Um, and then of course it is Ellie taking, you know, gasping in a particularly deep breath, that triggers this, you know, five minute long fight sequence, which is really extremely well directed. Um, but I think it was just the implementation of like the stealth tactics that you have to use in the game in a way that didn't feel trite. It didn't feel like it was, you know, paying over, over homage to the game or like getting caught up in trying to be a, like a direct adaptation. It made it work so well for the medium, but also I don't know, just the design of the atmosphere. Again, atmosphere is this show's absolute strong point. Um, and it scared the dickens out of me. Um, <laughs> but but I couldn't I couldn't look away. It was so good. And yeah, I have nothing else to say. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of dramatic tension going on as well in these scenes, which I think is interesting. Something that stuck out to me was when, when um when Ellie notices a body on the first floor of the museum and there's like bloody scratches all over it. And she's like, was this a, was this a clicker? And I still have questions about that. Y'all probably know better than I do. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, having experienced the game, like was there other, is there other stuff going on besides just violent clickers running the streets? I, I don't know. Um, go ahead, Trent. No, I was just gonna say it's like well in the game it's like they don't usually if you die by a clicker they're not trying to like infect you they just like rip you apart straight up that's how oh. you die like ninety percent of the times in the games they'll just like take a bite out of your like cor- like coronary vein and you're just dead like well that sounds <laughs> that sounds even worse somehow um and and then you get like Ellie when she steps on the tendril 
on the stairs and you just know like it's all over it's game over game set match and um there there's so many uh, many other moments i think the the biggest one for me though is tess just disappearing for like five minutes and if she's not on screen but she's not she, she doesn't come back she we see her come back it's not like she died in that time but it's just like you know there had to be something else so so when they get on to the rooftop What's going through your mind at that point? Uh, I, I mean, I know, I know you guys theoretically know what was going to happen, but, but how, how, how did they set up her eventual death to you? Yeah, I was, I was just like, oh, she's gonna have to like give the speech at some point, being like, guess what, not making it back this time, um, yeah. and I, and it's just waiting, and you're and. It's one of those things where it's it's actually sort of fun to know the spoiler in advance because I was just staring at her face in the background, seeing if like what they mm. were doing, and like you do see just this like like this like sadness but also this acceptance of like okay like i'm gonna die but i'm gonna make sure that joel like takes this kid like she's resolute in purpose for that final like five minute stretch before she actually reveals that she's been infected Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think you know i feel like we gotta i feel like we kind of just slightly glossed like glossed right over kind of the clickers themselves Um, oh yeah I personally feel like when the first time we see it, yeah. I think it did a better job. The, I mean, the costume design, yeah. all of that, truly horrifying. Like, oh my the gosh, split heads, the noise that they're making. I mean, it is just like, I mean, in the game, you know, of course, the, the noise is fine, but I think the costume design and the way that they visually represented it, you know, these clickers is, I think it was, they stepped up, you know, a notch here um, on that. And it was truly terrifying um, seeing that. You know, on the big screen, or I guess oh. the small screen. Since oh, yeah. Um, and, Moscano, I know that you liked this, and we've talked about this on the pod before. I believe the makeup and prosthetics designers on this show behind uh, the infected, and particularly the uh, the clickers, were the same people who designed Vecna for Stranger Things. Oh. Um, and, and, I mean, largely practical. Like, you've seen footage of that costume, and, I mean, this one, at the same time, like, very little left to CGI. Um, and you can tell, like, you can see the effort, like, on camera. Um, it's awesome. I got to be honest. So, again, knew little to nothing about the game before watching this show. And was honestly, like, not appalled, but, like, in utter shock to find out that these were not zombies in the typical sense. That these were mushroom zombies uh, <laughs> in the first scene of this of this TV show. And then, like, just up that another level when I see these clickers for the first time, and they've got like it legit looked like demented like Mushroom Kingdom from Mario. Like I like this was like horror. This is this was like horror Toad just walking around. He's got a mushroom on his head. Like this this is horrible. Uh, it it was it was honestly scary. It was truly scary. Um, and so. In, in the story itself, Tess dies, as we know, and unfortunately goes in one of the weirdest ways I've ever seen on screen it's with a little tendril kiss. Um, and and now we're left to Joel and Ellie together. And, and there's there's moments they share together in this episode that I think are really impactful. And so obviously this is the pair that is going to carry us through the rest of this of this show. What? How do you guys think they are doing at adapting the relationship between Joel and Ellie so far? 
Yeah, I think I think it's really great because in the game, what I what I like that's different is um, Troy Baker. I think is the the guy who performed Joel in the game. He did a great job. I'm not taking anything away, but he played Joel in a much more overtly like angry and gruff sort of way. Whereas I like that Pedro is doing a much more reserved and despondent um, version of Joel, and so. So in a way, it's both. You understand that it's that it's harder and easier for his version of Joel to make a connection with Ellie because he's so despondent. Whereas angry Joel in the game, I think it, it's a little bit harder maybe to make that leap. Um, and I, I think Bella Ramsey's doing a great job as Ellie personally. I, I think she's getting a lot of undue hate, but I think she's perfectly channeling the spirit of Ellie in in her performance. And I and I think. Um, it was really a conversation at the beginning of episode three between the two of them that sold me on this relationship for the rest of the season. Mm. What's some of the hate that she's getting? Cause yeah, I'm not really tuned into just that. like the, they're like, Oh, she, she doesn't feel like Ellie. People are just like, they're, they're just like not buying mm. in just, but just seemingly out of hand, like not in a constructive, mm. it's not for me way, but just a more like, Oh, she doesn't remind me of the game. Therefore she sucks. Yeah, I think I agree with that. That and it, I like I didn't even hear about this, but I, like the first time I I kind of even saw her, I I didn't really I don't know I didn't click well I guess immediately with her, right? Like I did in the game. Um, so I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, but I get it. Interesting. Yeah, and I mean I also had it's been a couple of years since I experienced the game, so my perception is a little bit is probably not quite to what yours is Moscano um, in terms of that. I, I do feel like she definitely, because the way that Joel is being played is so different. Like I think, I think their dynamic is definitely different. He treats her as cargo and she's mm-hmm. like a little bit of a nuisance. Whereas like, you know, in the game she is treated as a legitimate burden and that probably adds a little more emotional heft earlier on to their relationship. Um, but I, I definitely think like in a solitary way, like I, I think she reminds me of the game version of Ellie and, but also, I mean, is being her own self and I don't know. And I, I can definitely see where like people might be thrown. Like her appearance is very different from Ellie in the games, like yeah. different eye color, uh, you know, just different features. And to a degree, same with Joel being played by Pedro Pascal, but to a bit of a lesser degree. Yeah, I think Joel um, would be way better casted than Ellie, and I think that's kind of where, it, you know, I'm having this disconnect. Yeah, I mean, and definitely I think Ellie in the show is, it, 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 I don't love the term, but it, she's like brattier in the show than the game, I think is part of it. But but I think it works because I, I think it's the show trying to do something different where it's like it tries to remind you that like even though she's grown up in this harsh world, she's still a kid. Whereas yeah. the game, I think, tries to go with more of the approach of like, oh, since she grew up in this harsh environment, she didn't get to be a kid. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that creates two distinct things. Yeah, I, I listen, I don't have an attachment to the game, so I can't I can't I don't have the experience of the memories of the game. But for me, I, I fully locked in like this. This relationship is is the strongest, strongest thing in the show to me. I uh, I love Listen, I don't know. There must be something about Pedro Pascal uh, lugging around a child. Uh, uh, I just, <laughs> must, it's, it's a magical experience, whether it's The Mandalorian or whether it's The Last of Us. And I just think, personally, I've really enjoyed Bella Ramsey's performance because of what Trent just said, because of the childlike traits that she is displaying. Like, what what is able to kind of break... Uh, it's not he's not she's not even like 
getting Joel to smile, but just to get him to interact as another and, and talk a little bit, just to break the ice a little bit. It's the persistent questioning. And that's such a childlike attribute, like child children. And she, I know she's 14, but, but she is still of a young age. And I think because of that, she's going to ask a lot of questions and she's going to do it in a annoying way. And it's just perfect for, the character that Joel is that we've seen to this to this point. And uh I don't know. Personally I'm excited to see where it goes going forward. I, I to that yeah uh, go ahead I, well to that point about her asking questions, there were two moments in the second episode where I fully bought into her performance, which was I mean, the main one was kind of the question asking scene where she's kind of playing 20 questions with Joel toward the end while Tess is trying to find a way out of the building. And like she just shows how easily she can go toe to toe with Joel. Like she doesn't view him as a supervisor or like an authority figure. Like she almost like they kind of view each other as, as cargo in a way or as like obstacles, but also she, like they are trying, I, I don't know. Like you can tell that they are both fighting the urge to like care about each other. Yeah. But, but I don't know, it's hard to put into words, but I think that their dynamic is really well established there. And also from a comedic standpoint, early in the episode, the, um, the scene where, uh, Joel and Tess are seen just munching on some disgusting looking jerky that honestly looks like tree bark. And then it just does a really quick cut to Ellie just chowing down on a freaking Aubon pen chicken sandwich. (laughs) And like, for one, that cut, the editing was perfect. And I, I laughed really hard, but then like the way she plays the lines of, yep, Marlene got this from some chicken smugglers. (laughs) Guess not you guys. Like it was, I was like, I'm in on Bella Ramsey. Like I thought, I thought that was so funny. Um, and so that won me a lot more than her performance in the first episode, which I don't think was any means bad, but I, I don't think it was as dynamic or showy as she can be. So I'm looking forward to the rest of it. I'm excited to see what she does in episode three and forward. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, you know, I, to Trish's point earlier too, I think episode three is another um, great display of, of their dynamic together. Um, John, we're going to move to episode three. You have not seen it, but before you uh, you free yourself of, uh, of spoiler talk, do you have any last thoughts on, on this show so far? I'm just excited to see where it goes. Uh, I'm, I, I feel lucky to be in a world where it's being made. Um, and I, Craig Mazin is one of my favorite creative people. And I mean, again, we're only a third of the way through the season, but it already seems like he's landed the plane and then some, I also, I I'll say I'm really happy for him because like for a long time, I think he was, I, he, he didn't seem to be getting very, taken very seriously as a serious writer and director because he was doing a lot of kind of the scary movie franchise and stuff like that, which is not to denigrate those efforts at all. Like I, I know that those meant a lot to him, but um, that he finally like got to get into the national and international spotlight first with Chernobyl and now this um, and just show how deep of a creative mind he has uh, and just getting to attract all these great people to make a great thing with him. It did, it makes me very, very happy uh, just in a vacuum. And then also for the state of storytelling, I think it's very promising. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to watch this thing exist. Yeah, bro. 
That's I was very well said. I appreciate it. I appreciate you giving the background, the writing background, seriously, because I, I think that's something not the rest of us can all touch on. So, John, yeah. thank you for joining us, man. This is really appreciate having your insight, man. And uh, yeah, we'll just uh, we'll keep trying to figure out what a philologist is. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not even sure I'm I'm positive at this point. Uh, <laughs> We'll just we'll just say I invented the word and ignore yeah. Wikipedia. Okay, I think, that, I think that's good. That's a good place to leave off. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining us, John, and uh, we'll be we'll uh, move to episode three next. All right, we're gonna move to episode three, titled "Long, Long Time," and uh, this episode, little bit of a bottle episode. So we don't have much to touch on in this in this uh, episode because there's not as much narrative. Um. But, you know, this this did what we I think we talked about at the beginning of the podcast or before we hopped on. But this this episode gave detail to a character and to a, a segment of the story that was not given that background and detail in the video game, which one that's something you don't see very often. That's pretty cool. And I, and I also will say that, like, I think this is a uh this is a real moment of representation in the fandom genre. Not very often have when we talk about the stuff that we talk about on the show, have we seen two gay men on screen? Uh, that is that that's a huge step in terms of representation. It's not, it's not as uh, um, because this is a more critically acclaimed show, uh, HB, an HBO original series that that may be a little bit more typical in in this realm. But for the, I feel like The Last of Us has a lot of crossover just in terms of pop culture. So this is a big step in in representation. So um, we get to meet a new character in this episode. We meet Bill, played by Nick Offerman, Ron Swanson in the building, and. Uh, we we meet him and then we meet Frank, who he meets later in the episode. And um, we spend most of the episode with them. We do kick things off with Joel and Ellie. Um, but I will I will start out by just saying what were y'all's reactions and uh, and feelings about this episode? Yeah. So like Nick Offerman shows up and I'm like, oh, perfect. They got like Ron Swanson to play like the survivalist like don't touch me fascist so i'm gonna go to my bunker and like just you know hang out in my basement and then like you get to see this like like 40 year journey that he takes um and i was like oh this is like really really interesting and i'm like it it, it takes a lot of confidence i think for for the creators of a show to be like we've just sort of gotten you all invested in this world and now we're gonna throw you off kilter by like not only going off with one of the side characters in the game but like giving a very expansive backstory compared to what's given in the game. Cause I think in the game, like when you meet Bill, Frank's already dead and like Bill, it, it just jumps right into Bill and Joel sort of like very tentative working relationship. And so, um, so yeah, I was not ready for this to just fully lean into like a full on character study, but I think the acting in this was really phenomenal. Um, and while it definitely doesn't move the, the story of Joel and Ellie forward, I do think it does fit with a lot of the thematics of the show of like, find finding hope in in sort of the midst of bleakness and i do think it is like a very interesting show that like here's a character who was like ready for the apocalypse and kind of by his own admission hated everybody and then he ends up finding something that gives him peace and joy in his life 
after the world has already ended. I thought it was a super fascinating like writing exercise. Yeah, I, I think it was a really like good episode. Um, I know I'm in the minority here, but it wasn't my favorite, right? It was, I think, I think they kind of took that dynamic. And it, again, it was different than what happened in the game. I believe in the game, uh, you mentioned Frank was dead, but also there was like bad blood between Bill and Frank in the game, right? Mm, like, yeah. They had some sort of like fallout. Interesting. Um, and so there was like a clear deviation. And, and I think while this edition was like interesting, I think it didn't need to be the whole episode. Like it was the entire episode. Um, there was only one zombie. And I know I've seen all the reviews. I'm, I'm in the minority here for sure. Um, but like, you know, it's a show about zombies and you're only going to give me one zombie. I mean, it, you know, like I, now that scene was great where she finds that, you know, crush zombie. Oh, yeah. And, him, and I thought that was so awesome. Uh, but, you know, it would have been nicer to see a couple more. And so. Um, but yeah, I, I loved, especially in the beginning, seeing Ron do his thing, right? From, yeah. you know, Parks and Rec. I mean, he did, it was a spitting image of, yeah. you know, him and Parks and Rec and doing his thing. And I just like, it was just so awesome to see that. And so, but yeah, you know, it, it was given off very much up vibes, um, but like the whole <laughs> thing. Was I was up. about to say the same thing, Moscano. Like I, it hit me as we got to the end of the episode and, and, I was like, oh my gosh, did they just put up in The Last of Us? Did they just give us this relationship between Bill and Frank as as basically just up in in this show? And I gotta say, they did like if that's how you're viewing it, like it was pretty on par with that. And I I I did like it, it, I I'll agree and say that this uh this this episode didn't push the narrative forward very much and and bottle episodes aren't necessarily my favorite when i'm so locked into the story um and i in some cases they are and i but i will say that i i still like felt a lot of emotions watching this episode and and that is kind of what you get when you take a pause to do a a character study on someone like the character of bill um and to see i it really touched me watching him care for Frank as Frank was dying. That that was to me the point where I was like, oh my gosh, this is like this is deeply, deeply emotional to just see how that relationship carried through all the seasons of their life and that the 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 kind of tragic ending of it. But I think it I also think that while it didn't push the narrative forward, I think it might have unlocked something for Joel. Um we see the letter that Bill leaves for Joel. Uh, and Ellie's reading it, and um, I, I just I have a feeling that this is going to mean more for Joel than maybe it seems upon first glance. What What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think what you said it sort of unlocks something. I think when when he re when he hears that line from Bill of like we both like I found my purpose protecting somebody and caring for him, and that's who like you and I both are. Joel is like we will protect somebody no matter the cost. Mm-hmm. Um. And like Bill's referring to Tess in that letter because he doesn't know Tess has died. But yeah. I think that does that it clarifies Joel's purpose for the rest of the show game is like, oh, like whatever my issues and hang ups with like Sarah and all that, like it it is my job to protect this kid now, like for better or for worse. Um and so I do I do think the show do, it, this episode did move that show forward in that way. And if you didn't spend that time with Bill and Frank, you'd be like, why is this guy talking about how it's like our job to care for people? Mm. We don't even know who these guys are. 
Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think Trent, you captured that, captured yeah. that well, and I think you just, you know, you it kind of brings up they bring up Tess at the end, right? And mm-hmm. you know, he's like, don't talk about Tess anymore, and you start seeing more of you know Joel's personal side and more of his kind of. I guess, care for the people around him, um, turning him more into that, you know, less of like a rugged bandit, you know, guy, not really bandit, but, you know, but more into like a fatherly figure. And so, right. And then you also get to see Ellie sort of stand up for herself. Cause I did love at the beginning of this episode, the speech where she's like, look, nobody made you like take this job and nobody made like Tess do the things that she did. So like, don't blame me for something that isn't my fault. And you can see that like, for half a second, Joel's like gonna like tear into her, but then he's like, "Okay, fair enough." Like, and he just moves on. Like, yeah, that was. I'm glad you brought that scene up, Trent. That was very, that was very impactful for me too. Like, uh, because it differs from what y'all were saying earlier. As of, she's more than a burden; she's cargo. And but but she is at the same time still a burden. I think I I I, I really feel like from the second they were kind of given this mission to take her uh to the camp like joel has not wanted to be doing this he he understands that there is a greater goal in sight but he has not wanted to be paired with ellie and now they're all that each other has and i think that's just it's just gonna make for some really interesting dialogue later in the season i think um we um we we see we also get some some background into the world uh in in what has happened like the fact that that fedra was just randomly killing people they didn't have room for in the qz zones like that that was haunting mm-hmm. yeah that was especially was that in the was that covered in the video games at all or is that new i don't remember but it wouldn't surprise me if it is because i remember i like they do make a big point in the qz's i think early in the game where they're saying like oh yeah only people who like can get food and can work are sort of of value here and so that oh. that obviously is tied back to what Joel was saying, where he's like, "Oh yeah, limited food and space." So like they they killed off people who couldn't provide, basically. Yeah, I was terrified for a second when it, you know, you see the babies like skeleton and then the you know clothing, and then it flashes back. I was yeah, like, no way they're gonna show this. Yeah, I was worried, bro, too. I, I was terrible. like, that just seems <laughs> like something we don't need to watch. <laughs> I don't know. That's like, I mean, you know, it's on par with HBO, but I was like, sheesh. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't need this. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought I thought so, too. Yeah. I I do think that um, the overall goal of this of this episode, I can see that, like, I see Bill and Joel as just kind of mirrors of each other. I, I, I really feel like j- this may have set Joel on a path that bill just lived uh in his own life right like bill encounters frank and it gives bill a reason to hope and to live for more than just himself and and that's something you guys alluded to earlier and i and i just have a feeling that's what we're gonna get with joel in in the in the future um and that's that's really cool that's cool that they took the time to tell the story this way i think um but speaking of things coming up you guys two two guys who are playing and have played the game uh what do you what do you think comes next episode four drops this weekend uh we haven't gotten too too far in the narrative yet so so what what should we be expecting next 
I, I just, I just know some craziness because I don't. To be honest, based on both where I'm, where I'm playing now and when I did the walkthroughs, we're, we're, we're basically at sort of my, my most recent memory until we get to stuff at the very end, which obviously mm. I'm not gonna speculate on here because that would, that would defeat the whole purpose. Um, I do know there's like some crazy like mini bosses coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 game introduces around this point. Okay, that, that could be interesting. So we could see some some fun new creature designs. Is all. So. Oh, um, okay, that's fun. So yeah, that that that's the main thing I'm looking forward to, and just and just seeing how they uh they they continue to show that Joel and Ellie bond from the game, but also how the show might take it in a different direction and how it might adapt it slightly differently. I think that could be cool. Obviously, you know, there's there's stuff from an adaptation that you want it to be sort of directly carried over, but the whole point is that. It, it should inject a little bit of new life into it. So I think having some creative choices that are different when used correctly are, are perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, I think this upcoming episode is, is really important for this series mm. because of what this past episode was. It was, and it is a significant deviation, right? And it was a bottle episode. And I feel like it didn't advance the story of Joel and Ellie much and so this upcoming episode if you know it follows a similar trend of you know significant deviations or not advancing the story you know i think it starts to potentially make this show not as you know the first two three episodes have started amazing but i think this next one is like a a big episode for the series um and i think it has a key role in you know the series itself and so um I'm really looking forward to it, seeing what happens and how how they continue. Are we getting nine episodes? Is that the length of this of this we're series? Get, we're getting nine because it was going to be ten, but then they they combined. Oh, the first two they combined the first, the first two into the pilot episode. Okay, Dang, that's what I was curious about because I to to your point, Moscano. Yeah, we do. Uh, I would imagine there's a lot left to uncover in the story, um, and with five six episodes left, like there's there's yeah, they can do it, but um, but it's definitely gonna gonna take some time. So it makes me um, even wonder: is this is this series gonna finish the game? Like, is this epi- like this season going to lead to the conclusion of what the first game? Oh, was? I see what you're saying because we're, we're, uh, we're all sort of operating under the assumption that season two will be the Last of Us to the game, but they could we're theoretically on episode four. Like, there's yeah. no way. Yeah. I don't know. Although, if it's, if every episode is gonna be like an hour right. and twenty or an hour and thirty minutes. That's you what know. I was thinking. Like the, this, these episodes are very long. So I, I, that's why I leave room for like they can probably do it. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. Well, guys, do you have any any final thoughts, questions about about the Last of Us episodes one through three? No, um, I think we covered everything. I think they're kept. You know, the atmosphere of the show is really well captured. Um, I, I'm vibing with all the performances so far. Um. The, the creature design's been been really on point um and but but I think the biggest thing that's different from the show to the game that's been a positive has been obviously a video game you need you need to play stuff and need to do stuff and so you need you know an action set piece every couple minutes whereas I like that this show has been able to sort of breathe and build the tension and that they saved the clickers all the way until you know halfway through episode two and so I'm excited to see how the show continues to build out the world and um just live with these characters for a little bit longer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm excited to see how the world continues to build and you know how they build on you know some of the past and um especially excited for some of these upcoming you know 
zombies. I don't want to say too much, but he's excited. A giant sumo and. Can I say its name? Do I not want to say its name? I think you can say its name. I think saying the name doesn't doesn't tell you anything. The bloaters. I don't know if you remember the bloaters. The bloaters, man. The bloaters. The bloaters. (laughs) Bloating and floating all over the place, man. Oh. All right. Well, I have no idea what that means, but Moscato's excited about it, so I'm excited about it. So, um... Guys, I think that's going to wrap today's episode. Thanks for joining. Moscano, thanks for thanks for joining in on the fun today. We'll have to get you back time. soon. It was yeah. a good time. It was a pleasure. Of course. Hey, man. It's a pleasure for me, too. Um, thank you all for listening. As always, go subscribe, leave a rate and review, and follow us at The Stinger Pod. Trent, Joseph, and I will be back soon. Uh, there's there's some big news in the DC world today. I think you might you might just hear us talk about it. So stay tuned, follow this feed, and and we will be back. Bye.